everybody. Welcome to the In and After Show. I'm Lindsay Leverage, Executive Editor at Anime News Network, and with me is James Beckett, our Hello. reviewer for all kinds of things, mostly anime, yeah. sometimes manga, all that kind of stuff. And today we're going to be talking about, we've got a, a lot of news items, a lot of news came in um, over the weekend. Uh, there was the Game Awards that happened, and they showed a whole bunch of trailers. It was a little controversial. Um, we don't have, I don't have a lot to say about that, James. I don't know about you. I mean, I think Sonic looks good. That's pretty much it. I want to see the Sonic movie and play the new Sonic Frontiers game. But. Um, yeah, the Idris Elba lied to our faces when he said <laughs> that he was not going to make Knuckles sexy. So, I know. But we saw that. I mean, we had to see that coming, right? Uh, yeah. I yeah. was very hyped for Alan Wake 2 because that's a okay. game I've, I've loved for a long time. And I never played the original. Like, what's its what's its thing? Um, so the whole so it came out at the time when like trying to sort of emulate TV shows was, was okay. in vogue vaguely. Like I think that that, that alone like heavy rain was, and stuff like that. Yeah, like every level is an episode, and um, right. so the whole premise was it was kind of like a Twin Peaksy Stephen Kingy miniseries where you played a writer who um, fights sh darkness shadow monsters that possess people. So he has to, like, this sounds like something I would really, really like. Yeah, it's it's that. good. It's very of its time. Um, I, don't I heard think the controls are kind of clunky. A little bit. Um, yeah. It's very simple. So, did you ever play Control? No, but that came. That's yeah. I know. I know that was their their follow up. I would say Control is a much better game as far as both gameplay and kind of harnessing that kind of weird fiction, um, kind of. Lovecrafty and Stephen Kingy sort of vibe that they're going for, okay. and so I I think that I'm excited for Alan Wake because I feel like they're really going to cut loose with the concept in a way they couldn't really the first time around. But I I love Alan Wake the first one. Um, it's it's a bit dated and a bit corny I think, but um, it's a okay. lot of fun. So okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm mostly what I took away from it was they're making an open world Sonic, which I think mm -hmm. could be genius or awful depending on how they do it. Like that's you know. Yeah. Sonic's always like lived so every this. Sonic game from the past twenty years. Yeah, basically. I mean Sonic's always lived within like certain parameters of go fast mm -hmm. on a track sort of thing, whether it's a side scroller or the Sonic Adventure games. Um, so I don't know how you'll do that with open world, but on the other hand, a lot of the like levels in Sonic I feel would look really cool in an open world environment. Totally. So yeah, so that's mostly what I'm looking for. And the movie, I saw the first one with my my oldest son, and he wants to see the second one too. Was it good? I keep hearing yeah. that it's like surprisingly good for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Jim Carrey's hamming it up. Like, didn't know I missed him until I got the opportunity to see him again. Um, it's kind of like a buddy uh, travel mm -hmm. kind of setting, you know, like. Yeah, James Marsden. Yeah. yeah, small town cops got to take Sonic to the big city so he can get the rings back, so he can get back to his world while they're trying to be thwarted by. Dr. Robotnik kind of deal. So I don't know how they'll do this one. I mean, he's not in, uh, Carrie's not really in like the Robotnik like get up for most of the first one, but in the second one, they've got him like full mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Tails is back. Like you said, Knuckles is there. They got the original voice actress for Tails in there, which I mean, kind of felt like it was sending a message to Chris Pratt without sending a message to Chris Pratt. <laughs> like they got the video game voice actress for Tails for the movie. Like, yeah. Look, you can do that. That's a thing. So anyway, yes, um, as uh, CC Takado pointed out in the comments, I am once again, the stream is once again competing with uh, Discotech, which is not an enviable position to be in. They're holding oh, a stream yeah. on Twitch right now where they're announcing all their stuff. But uh, spoilers, I know everything that they're going to say. So Ooh. I'm going to keep it to myself because, you know, I, I do that. But just want you all to know that I already know. So there. Um yeah, so to get into the news outside of uh, video games, the big ones that we're going to be talking about, two are Cowboy Bebop related. Um, one is sad. One is not so sad, depending on how you feel about Cowboy Bebop. And I should draw uh, a show, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got uh, Makoto Shinkai. So first, um, you know, this is spread all over Twitter, all over social media. Folks might have already heard, but Netflix canceled its live action Cowboy Bebop show um, three weeks out from de debuting it. Uh, 10 one-hour episodes of, man, you know, I'm not surprised, to be honest, because the critic, 
the critic and audience scores for this and Rotten Tomatoes have been bad, bad, bad. I mean, the critic stuff was bad early on because we all got to see it early, um, but the audience kind of followed suit. And I don't think all of that is just because folks were mad that it wasn't um, the, the anime. Like the, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, like I bounced after one episode because I think the script was horrible. Like yeah. it was just kind of like cringy, um, one-liner, quippy, Joss Whedon stuff, just constant. And there's way too much content. There's way too many things to watch. I'm not going to watch 10 hours of live action Cowboy Bebop just because it has Cowboy Bebop attached to it if I'm not enjoying myself. So, yeah, I was I was surprised only because it seemed like they were putting a lot of effort into the marketing. Yes, so I, I was I, surprised about that. Yeah, because they did I, a, I assumed that it maybe had it. like a second season locked in mm. like a lot of those shows do. So yeah. I was sort of surprised that they exit that quickly because Netflix will give a lot of money to a lot of stuff. So, yeah. I guess again, unless you're like John Cho or one of the other cast members, who I definitely hope are able to, you know, bounce back and move on to other projects soon. It doesn't seem like anyone on earth was was upset. I, I genuinely don't think I've seen a single <laughs> sad reaction to the cancellation. Do you do the ANN forums, James? Only when I feel professionally obligated to. There's some folks in there that were not pleased. I mean okay. I've seen okay. I've seen like a viable argument that if they had given it a second season, maybe the staff could have went back, looked at the reception to it and like adjusted and maybe course corrected. Um, I mean, I don't think we were ever going to get like better sets and better special effects. I, I really think 100% that it lived and died by its script. And if the script hadn't been what it was, it would have been okay. Yeah. Like, I I think that I, I get that. I think there's an argument to be made that, one of the big downsides of the modern kind of streaming model is that a lot of shows are are set up to kind of function within like a three to four season model. Okay. And um, because of the way that we're only just now, I saw on Twitter someone joked about how young people are, are marveling at the this new weekly drop model that Disney Plus is, is innovating with. And it's like, okay, we're going to make me feel old somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I remember I think, X-Files on Sunday nights. So, right? yeah. I, yeah. I was a lost devotee for six years. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the downsides is you don't really get any more those situations like with uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Where the first season of that show is infamously not great and then you know after a couple of years of, of getting the opportunity to kind of chug along it became a venerated classic and i feel like there are a lot right. of shows like that where um my wife and i watch uh new girl the, the sitcom and yeah. um the, the i i do not like the first season of that show i think it tries way too hard and i just think it's really rough around the edges but you know season two season three season four it's one of my favorites and yeah. so it's a shame that shows i think these days really don't have the chance to to fail gracefully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can see that maybe season three of Cowboy Bebop would have been a banger, but yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. I don't know if they had gone with something closer to like 30 minute episodes instead of the full hour. I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of baffling decisions when it tried to hone, like really emulate the original, it was setting itself up for, comparisons to the original and i think what would have been in its best interest is to just like not have done that at all no you know let the anime be its own thing take these characters write them how you want come up with your own you know space episodes with your own primary themes and things that you the stories you want to tell and uh, let it go it wasn't just like the spike vicious julia thing that they kept you know they also like they copied a lot of the other just sort of one-off episodes that didn't initially have yeah. anything to do with that plot line. Unless you want people to be like, oh, look at all the stuff they changed. Don't do that. Yeah, I agree. Because that's the sort of thing where you're you're kind of you're pandering to the fans by intentionally going after the most recognizable, you know, easy to to connect imagery and, and plots. But then you're also, you know going with those script choices that are so very obviously not what most people would associate with Cowboy Bebop. Right, right. So I, I, I guess, yeah, I don't really know what they're thinking in 
like I, I was seeing all those breakdowns of how they would get like obsessive with like, you know, including these little background references and these little like super specific, uh, you know, pieces of set dressing or, or costuming to like be like, look, we saw the episode. But yeah. then to me, it speaks to a lot of the kind of nostalgia bait that you get these days where they, they put a lot of effort into like the really surface level stuff. But then when it comes to actually understanding the themes and like what really made the show powerful for people, they kind of whiff it. So, yeah. So there have been cases of Netflix canceled series moving to TV, like uh, the Tuca and Birdie show moved from Netflix over to Adult Swim. So it's not impossible for this to get, but I think it would be expensive to re-up it. Oh, and like renegotiating like the the rights and oh no, I cannot imagine it would. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's happening. Especially with the ratings the way they are, like I feel like in the Tuca and Birdie situation, it might have been canceled because of viewership numbers on it, but it had a very strong devoted fan base that were yeah. really motivated for more of it, and that probably helped influence you know that decision there. I don't know that this has that kind of fan backing to get it moved somewhere else, like the CW. Or, yeah, well, and like all, yeah. all the other streaming services, I feel have like uh, Amazon already has the Expanse, and I know that's ending, but like they have their their kind of science fiction genre, genre. show. Uh, yeah. Apple has a Foundation right now. Um, okay, Wheel of Time is coming out on Amazon too. That's Super actually Super already out, and I've heard it's really good. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, that Lord of the Rings show is going to come out someday, and it apparently costs mm -hmm. two billion dollars. So I, I I don't see any of the other platforms wanting to spend money on, you know. What must have been, even with its kind of crummy budget, it was probably still pretty expensive to make. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't speaking, think. So. Yeah, I mean, they they were shooting in New Zealand the whole time. I mean, I feel real bad for John Cho, just like he got injured on the set making this, you know, he mm -hmm. pulled his ACL and had like nine months of rehab Ugh. to do this show. And then it just like stunk. I don't know, that's got to be hard. I feel like he at least walked away from the project with the most... Like I don't, I don't necessarily want to say dignity. That feels maybe a little, yeah. but I, I mean, even like I was reading like the Japanese reception and some of the fan reception, and a lot of people were saying like John Cho is pretty good. Like he seems to get it more than yeah. Anyone Most of the positivity I've seen is towards the actors themselves, as far as you know, their their acting and commitment to the show. Um, you can't blame them for the one-liners and whatnot. Like they didn't write those. So I guess we'll have to see how Netflix's next live action projects are are going. I mean, they're working on One Piece, which I feel like is even harder to adapt to live action that than this project. That is going to be, I, I'm going to call it right now. That is going to be a disaster. I think that show is, I genuinely, like, the, the cast and crew seems super enthusiastic, which is great. But mm -hmm. um, I don't see, I mean, everything about, what makes that show popular, at least from an outsider, I'm not super familiar, but everything about what, ma what makes One Piece popular seems so inextricably tied to being a long running work of manga that has been adapted into a very long running work of animation. I do not see how, un unless they take your advice and go with like an original story. I don't like think they listen to me, James. They're not gonna <laughs> Because if it was like a 10 episode one-off, like here's a new unseen arc that's like, you know, and we're not going to bother with like more than an episode of like the the origin story stuff. And we're just going to watch them be fun and be funny and yeah, like, maybe, but I don't like, if you're going to do what, I can't like, imagine them skipping the crew getting together. Sure. But like, they always want something to like be able, like a fresh audience to be able to just jump into it without yeah. any prior. Yeah. I just don't see how like 10 one hour episodes are like that seems one piece. so against the entire vibe of One Piece to me. Yeah. And they're trying to do Gundam, which. So Gundam, at least last that I knew is like Netflix might be the distributor for it, but I'm pretty sure okay. Legendary Pictures is making it. So that's oh. a little bit different. But um, okay. someone put in the chat that Netflix is doing Sword Art Online. I know Sword Art Online has been optioned for live action. I don't recall whether Netflix is producing or just distributing it. Um, I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head who's working on that. But that I think that could work. I, yeah, I mean, they did Ready Player One. They can yeah. do sort of online. It's, yeah. 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 It's basically like a boy's version of Sucker Punch, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch Sucker Punch, and I'm going to continue to not watch oh. Sucker Punch. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
Um, in slightly related, but much uh, sadder news, um, a lot of people may have also already seen this, but the, the writer of Cowboy Bebop, as well as Macross Plus and Tokyo Godfather and the creator of Wolf's Reign, uh, Keiko Nobumoto passed away um, earlier this month due to, I'm going to say it wrong, As cancer of the esophagus, because I can't do it. Yeah, cancer of the esophagus. Um, and uh, she was, it was actually, this was a little, it's a little rough for me just because she's the same age as my mother. So that was like a little bit jarring to me. But, um, you know, I just wanted to highlight her work some, I guess. Uh, we have a, some great pieces up on ANN right now. I republished an interview from the Cowboy Buff 20th anniversary at uh, New York Comic Con. So that's up there if you would like to reread it. I also republished a written piece about Wolf's Reign and romanticism, if you'd like to reread that. Um, and then Bella, a writer for a uh, freelance writer for us, wrote a, a wonderful piece called The Humanist Legacy of Keiko Nobumoto, which is about like her themes throughout um, all of her works and her critiques of capitalism and gender roles and things like that. That's really good. So I just thought maybe we could talk briefly, like James, of uh, her body of work. Is there one in particular that you really enjoyed? I know you actually did classic streaming reviews with Wolf's Rain for us a couple of years ago. I, I did. And I actually, so at the time, uh, funny, I, I wrote something that people were, that they found a little controversial. I, I had a, an interesting experience with Wolf's Rain because um, watching it for the very first time, I, I hadn't seen anything other than like out of order episodes on Adult Swim back when I was like a kid. And yeah. so watching it for the first time, like as an adult, all the way through in 2019, I think that was, yeah. um, I was... I guess maybe underwhelmed is the right word. I, I think after so many years of, of hearing about, you know, how, how much people loved it and how incredible it was and, you know, how influential it was in so many areas. I, I think the show that I was expecting or the show that I had kind of like built up in my head was a very different show from what it ended up being. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's one of those really rare serialized stories where the ending actually tied it together for me in a way that I, 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 I really do think that that story works because of how powerful and how visceral and how vivid that final, um, that final arc is and that final episode is. I thought it was incredible. Um, so I, I think that's a show that I've really come to appreciate more and more as I've, as I've sat with it and as I've kind of gotten to, to, absorb it as a whole story um mm -hmm. and i would argue that i think it's it's ambition i found to be incredibly um inspiring you know even mm -hmm. when i i was a little put off by some of the pacing and some of the storytelling choices the just the sheer confidence and the sheer just emotional weight i mean like you were saying the you know the that woman completely understood the story that she wanted to tell. And yeah. that is such a rare thing to see. Um, especially because that, that was, a, I mean, that's an anime original, right? Yeah. And so, so often one of the big things that happens with a lot of anime originals is, you know, they kind of fizzle out at the ending and they, they can't yeah. really tie it together. And that was the opposite for me where that show brought it home so strongly that it, it had me go back and, and reconsider a lot of what I initially considered to be, um, flaws, and I, I realized I, I kind of saw what she was doing and where she was going, and so, yeah, Wolf Strain, I think, is, is a pretty special show, and you know, Bebop, obviously, is yeah, Bebop, yeah. so. Yeah, um, for those who haven't seen Macross Plus, too, um, she, that was another one she worked on with uh, Shinichiro Watanabe, and it's actually getting theater screenings um, this month in American theaters. Very cool. One of the first ones. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, us finally getting Macross, man, so, what a time to be alive. We're uh, just the. Yeah. The, the show, it was, the that was like see. something I thought would never happen. I never thought we'd ever actually get Macross. I thought we'd be like Robotech forever. But now you can see Macross Plus in theaters this month. Um, Fathom Events has tickets if that's something you want to check out to see if it's playing near you. I'm not sure how many theaters it's in. There might be a, you know, a bit of a drive involved if you want to go to the nearest theater to, um, to you. But yeah, for me, um, I just revisited uh, 
anime Cowboy Bebop. That's what I watched instead of live action Cowboy Bebop. Watched the first episode of live action Cowboy Bebop. I was like, no, I think I'll just rewatch regular Cowboy Bebop. It's been about 10 years or so. So I did that. And that show hits completely different when you're at different stages in your life, I think. Like when I first saw it, I was like, I might have been like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and I saw it at a uh, at my local community college, which did anime screenings every Saturday at the club there. That was kind of like during the height, you know, early 2000s anime boom. And I could just go to my community college and they would play four episodes of show, uh, of four different shows like back to back to back. So I yeah. like, they do Cowboy Bebop. I saw Serial Experiments Lane that way. I saw um, uh, Flame of Rekka that way. Which, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it's it's kind of people consider it like a poor man's shonen, I think. But I enjoyed it at the time. Like, um, flame, so yeah, I saw Flame of Rekka that way, um, and I saw Cowboy Bebop that way. And there's a ton of others that I'm not um, Saber Marionette J. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so that's how I saw Cowboy Bebop. So I revisited it now at the ripe age of 34, and like parts of it, like totally like totally hit me, I think in a different way, especially um, Faye's storyline a lot was just like, um, when she sees that video of her past self, like cheering herself on with optimism and everything. And she's become this sort of like jaded person who's been through so much. I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I know that person. <laughs> um, so it, it completely hits you different. So if you haven't watched that show in a really long time, um, definitely recommend it. It's still some of the like, most entertaining television I've seen. Like, I don't think there's an episode in there that doesn't work or is bad. Like, I, I don't know how I would rank them. I mean, yes, I do, but it would only be from like favorite to mostest ever favorite. A tier, S tier, double S tier. Yeah, yeah, S plus plus tier. And I mean, uh, Leperio LeFou is up there pretty high for me. That episode is just insane. Like on so many levels, it's really, really good. Um, don't watch the live action version. It's bad. Um, so yeah, if you haven't, uh, you know, if you've never heard of Keiko Nobumoto, she kind of gets overshadowed, I think, um, with Shinichiro Watanabe because he's the director. But she's just she was this wonderful scriptwriter and wrote some of the most amazing stories. Um, Tokyo Godfather's coming up. It's holiday season, which is a really good time to watch it. It's yeah. an anime Christmas movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and she worked totally. with Satoshi Kon on that, like. Um, the piece that we have up talks about how like Satoshi Khan like sought her out for that movie. He actually tried to get her for Perfect Blue at first, but she was too busy, so she turned him down. Oh, which she was just so like good for Perfect Blue. She would have been, been really incredible. good for Perfect Blue too, yeah. But um, so he came back around and she did Tokyo Godfathers. Wrote that with him. So yeah, just um, make sure was to check Tokyo her out. Godfathers Cohen's last movie or was it Paprika? Paprika was his last movie. Yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, that's um, all the Cowboy Bebop sort of related news. The other things I have to mention are just really short. One of them is, you know, we've been talking about the UFO table uh, lawsuit against, um, well, cr criminal lawsuit against Hikaru Kondo uh, for not paying his taxes, not paying about one and a quarter million dollars worth of taxes that he was keeping in a safe at his house for a rainy day in case things didn't go well and he got caught and they were going to sentence him to uh, 20 months in prison. And technically he got that. He, he um, admitted to the charges. So technically he got that, but they gave him a three year kind of probation period. So basically as long as he's doesn't commit any more crimes for three years, he won't go to jail, which um, I don't know. I, I've been sympathetic towards this guy the whole time, which kind of makes me feel like that's not my usual like political alignment in a way, but like anime studios, it's rough out there. I know yeah. like working conditions and everything. So I've been a little compassionate towards the idea of like stowing away money so you can keep paying for your staff in case like shit hits the fan. I wonder if he had to I use did. any of that during COVID. Like he started saving it before COVID. Um, so yeah, that's just sort of like the update on that. If you've been following that story, um, it's not going to jail unless you, I don't know, shop lifts or something i don't think he'll do anything probably won't go to jail and then um lastly makoto shinkai beloved director of weathering with you and your name and the place promised in our early days and she five centimeters per second five centimeters per second which is actually like my favorite and i hear that's a controversial take but i, really? I, really I, I always thought that was really beloved yeah 
I love the song at the end. I'll just listen to it. Like it's got so much like raw emotion in the vocals there. He's going to announce his next project uh, Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be announced on YouTube, uh, on Toho's official YouTube channel. They'll also have subtitles on there a little while afterwards. So um, and we'll have a news article up immediately. But I'm curious, like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be more like realistic at this time? Or is he going to kind of keep some of the magic elements that he's been using at times? Do you think it's another love story between two teenagers? I mean, that's been like every single one, right? Like this been Isn't every... it? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I, I can't tell because gosh, his blow up was so big. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's going to, cause this, I, the way I see it, there's two ways it could go, right? He could double down on his brand mm -hmm. and kind of continue his sort of aesthetic and, and thematic uh, explorations um, in, in the same way that, I, now I never saw Weathering With You. Um, I haven't gotten around to that one yet actually, but it, it seemed to sh it seemed very much like a, an intentional sort of companion film to, to your name, as far as like the style and um, yeah. just the, the overall vibe. The so ending could, was considered like kind of a twist, a big twist for the ending. Cause it wasn't um, optimistic. Yeah. I was reading about that, that it, it had a, a more, just kind of a, a more subdued vibe compared to the very, um, the very optimistic tone from, from your name. So mm -hmm. you could double down on that and just try to sort of keep selling the Makoto Shinkai experience. Yeah. Or he could just completely veer off and, and do something like, you know, blank check style. Like, all right, like I can do whatever Hashtag I want now. Makoto Shinkai make a horror film. Do I just it. want to say, like, what would that be? Makoto even? Shinkai's Kyrie. <laughs> he adapts a, uh, or uh, or Spiral. Oh, no, they're already doing Spiral for. for yeah, Uzumaki. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that to come out. It's going to be Adult Swim uh, next year. And they got Hiroshi Nagahama making that. And he does really amazing stuff. I've got to interview him a few times. He's a cool guy. Um, it looks better than the other. Um, we don't talk about that show. <laughs> yeah. That was, Us yeah. Junji Ito fans don't talk about that show. Yeah. Yes, it does look a lot better. Um, interesting choice to keep it all in black and white, too. But Perfect yeah, choice, I think. I think his artist yeah. made for, for black and white. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Even because even he, when like, because every now and then you'll get like the little color co covers of the color chapters in like the hardbound sets, and I yeah. never think they. Sometimes with like the more watercolor vibe, they can look okay. But I think black and white is one hundred percent what his art. I think he's definitely gotten better over time. Like he's got an art book out now, and I have seen like some of the covers for newer releases of his works. Where like one of them was for Viz just released. Is it the Frankenstein book? Uh, no, I have that one, but they've got a newer one. And what is it called? I have like all of them, but um, it's got like a bunch of filament, sort of gold filament on the cover. And it, sensor, it's called sensor. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. The Japanese cover for that is better. Like, I'm kind of mad we didn't get the Japanese cover art for that because the Japanese cover art is like gorgeous. And we kind of got a like zoomed in version of a, one of the panels with sort of a gold overlay for the. It's nice, but it's not as striking. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to see him do something outside of his wheelhouse a little bit. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet on it. Like, he's had blockbuster success with his formula. So you only deviate from it if you get bored. And if he's not bored of it yet, then that's probably, probably what we can expect him to keep doing. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's actually it for the news, James. So why don't we talk about the latest episode of Demon Slayer, the oh, Entertainment yeah. District arc. Uh, really enjoyed this. I think this show is actually on a roll right now, now that we're out of that Mugen Slayer stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am pulling up right here. Where do I go? There we go. Yeah, I got my... Uh... <laughs> so yeah, um, you know what? I, I agree. I think this was a much more exciting and, and fun uh introduction to this whole story arc than like the tiny little tease we got last week yeah um i still i have some reservations but at the same time it feels like the show is, is more energized like it kind of felt like the show felt a little obligated last week to to stay in its dour you know sad sad 
about um, Rengoku and his Lameo. death. Yeah, Rengoku, thank you. I, I already forgot his name. Um, Lameo? Lameo. Uh, Is he like from Thundercats? Uh, no, I was thinking of Flamio from uh, from Avatar, but yeah. Oh, okay. Way. But yeah. um, but no, it's uh, I think that um, this uh, this uh, this sound Hashira is uh, pretty delightful. He's a delightful mm -hmm. dirtbag, and I'm always down for a delightful dirtbag. Yeah. Um, I already think he. I think he has a lot more personality than Rengoku. Like he doesn't yeah. just like scream the word delicious over and over, and then you know smile creepily in the background like he has like a thing, and um. <laughs> I think this was the first comedy-heavy episode of Demon Slayer that I really found funny. Like, I was actually yeah. laughing um, yeah. a lot this week, so. Yeah, they had a lot of good, like, sight gags. I mean, the reaction faces were great again. Oh, I know. It's, uh, like, this one was one of my favorites. Yeah, the, <laughs> just, like. Yeah, yeah, where he's just, like, who is this guy? Yeah. Is he? But, yeah, there's a lot of, like faces of that nature where like they get the really small line mouth and the kind of like googly eyes like yeah and they kind of look at, like they're looking at each other like they're just idiots. yeah and he punches Sinitsu Hell a lot yeah. um i actually think their dynamic is good I, I mean it helps temper Sinitsu's like just when he starts to get to the point where you're like oh god okay please stop yelling that's usually when Uzui like punches him in the gut and you're like okay thank you it stopped and i don't know if my endearment towards Uzui is some is in some way related to the fact that like he makes Zenitsu shut up sometimes. I'll but it, it helps. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really vibe with they they, were, they kept trying to play Zenitsu as kind of the straight man in yeah. this episode. And that That's didn't true. I didn't think that worked very well just because he's he's so constantly played as a pathetic loser. Yeah. To, even when the joke is that he's trying to act like a superior straight man type against these weirdos and he just gets beaten up. For, I don't know. It didn't, I, that, that part didn't really work for me, but a lot of the visual comedy that didn't involve screaming and yelling, yeah. I found to be um, very, and not just because any two gets beaten up. I mean, he, even my, my sweet, <laughs> my sweet boar boy also gets hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's equal opportunity punishment around here. But um, I mean, just the, the, like just this gag here, we're like, yeah. uh, um, Zenitsu and Inosuke both like kind of lose their minds when they enter the red light district for the first time for very yeah. different reasons. Yeah. And um, this, this, this guy here, you know, the, the kidnapping, uh, you know, wife guy yeah. of, of legend has to like uh, carry this boar on his back and, and just running around trying to get control of the situation. That to me, I thought was actually really funny. So I, I like this dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it seemed like Inosuke's main main problem is the fact that he has like almost like a agoraphobia sort of thing where like he started to feel ill being in a crowd. He was or like, like some kind of like like sensory overload. Yeah, like just yeah. The stimulus of all the lights and the sounds. Yeah, uh, which I relate to. I feel that way sometimes. Yeah, it's like get away yeah. from me. <laughs> Too many people. <laughs> and then with Zenitsu, you know, he he chatted up some girls a little well they mostly chatted with him he actually like shirked away afterwards he was like no i can't handle this and it was actually kind of funny to see usui like knock him over and be like you're not old enough to go in a brothel come back here but yeah, on the so other hand you're sending him into a brothel though right like he's sending all three of them into the has no one considered the possibility that any of them may get propositioned if they're working in a brothel is like i mean Zenitsu not... definitely got propositioned i think by those by those prostitutes who are like Come, come get some candy, little boy. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no. No, but I mean, like, once they actually start working there, like. Yeah. Yeah, like, as far as Johns go. Yeah, um, I, I'm wondering how the show is going to handle it because, I mean, it's an inescapable reality of, of the, the setup. Like, the whole joke is that these weird boys are disguising themselves as weird girls to be, you know, undercover prostitutes. Yes. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how the show's going to handle that because, you know, for one thing, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Uzin was, was thinking, really. Um, yeah. But uh, it might have been better if one of his wives hadn't gone undercover so that she could have done their makeup or something. Or something, right? He um, obviously doesn't know what he's doing, right? 
Well, and it's, I, I appreciated that the show didn't, at least as of right now, it didn't lean into like the, the kind of gay panic jokes where the characters are like freaking out because, you know, they're dressing like girls and, and they're boys. Yeah. And in fact, the one, the one line of, of Zemi Tsu's that I appreciated was he's like, I don't care about dressing up like a girl. That's not a problem for me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also a little weird to me that, um, <laughs> The idea that like everyone in the district is just completely buying that these three are like are are like young women that are you know down down to clown with the prostitution business, yeah. Um, and especially with I don't know if I got a picture of it, but like at, at a certain point, um, Tanjiro just like wipes off his makeup and he just has yeah. like the rosy cheeks, and he's not yeah. even like he's not even really disguising his voice or anything. He just sounds like yeah. Tanjiro, and it's like this yeah. is obviously like a seventeen-year-old boy. <laughs> like I don't yes. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that too because he was like standing there and he's like barefoot, and yeah. they draw his feet like he's got these like big chunky feet too. He's got like he's, not, he's got like nothing delicate <laughs> yeah. about him at all in any kind of way. Um, yeah, he's not disguising his voice. Um, he's not. You know, I think shorter hairstyles on girls was kind of normal than if you're on the younger end um, before, like, growing growing your hair out. I've read this great manga, and I, I actually want to revisit it now that I'm watching this show called Oiran, which is by um, Miyoko Ano, uh, okay. the manga creator and wife of Hideaki Ano. And it's it's all about this exact culture within a within a brothel. And it talks a little bit about you know, one of the issues that comes up about like women being in debt and then fleeing and what happens if you try to run away or if you try to run away with one of your clients because you fell in love or something like all that kind of stuff is, is in the manga. I don't, I hope it's not out of print, but it might be at this point. And it's just a single volume. Um, like it might've been two in Japanese and they squished it together. But so I was familiar with a little bit of the hierarchy because there's you know hierarchy inside these brothels of course so maybe yeah. the reason they're not worried about the boys so much is because they wouldn't be um sold because they're not considered like ready because they don't have the skills or anything they're just sort of like working in the background um you know doing heavy lifting and yeah. like moving luggage and all those other sorts of things um that doesn't mean they wouldn't possibly be there wouldn't possibly be potential for them to be harassed in any kind of way, but at least as far as like who they're working for, maybe they wouldn't be considered an option, I suppose. But yes, either way, like their disguises are really like, they're really poor. Except in for Inosuke. Inosuke, Except like, Inosuke, Inosuke so because pretty. he's naturally beautiful. Huh? Yeah. But he's told not to talk because he has a, a deep husky voice. So he's Which was for me. It was a funny joke, but all, like all of these guys have, like, none yeah, of their voices are, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, but. yeah, I would have thought at least like with um, Tanjiro that they would have tried to pitch it a little higher or something, but he's just delivering his lines like completely normal. Just, I, I just think it'd be funny if they were all doing like a bad falsetto, you know? Like, yeah, and then yeah. if no one noticed, that would be funny because it's just like, oh, I guess that's just what she sounds like. Okay, right, um, exactly. And then, so, hi, I'm Tanjiro. <laughs> a young girl here for you know, it's, yeah 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 what what did they change they changed their names to oh gosh i i i, I, I don't remember what they are i feel like it was I, like inoko like and yeah. zenuko and uh i think tanjiro is the only one that maybe had something different yeah um, completely different it might have been like an alternate reading of like his kanji or something to so us english speakers may not sumiko, get it. yeah sumiko yeah, yeah. So Zenko, Sumiko, and Inoko, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Zenitsu here, I guess, can just play the shamisen out of pure rage. Just is fueled by his, his rage against um, Usui for being like the last picked and everything. Like he got real sensitive about that. that was, I thought that was the funniest joke of the episode. With yeah. That, with that, the, 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 I don't know what you call it, the the lead the lead courtesan, you know, the, the head honcho was like, she's going places. She has the she has the yeah. rage of a of a slighted woman who's been abandoned by a man. Yeah. And he's just like sliming on the shamus and that was funny. Yeah, yeah, that was good too. Yeah. And, and then I guess was... also, and I don't know if the show has ever brought this up before, but I guess yeah. Tanjiro That was like, a good bit. 
you can't lie like yeah. at all convincingly um, yeah, yeah at all <laughs> he like has like a involuntary spasm uh yeah Jim Carrey yeah, style he, yeah he starts lying and so when he does he can't make eye contact and it's like he's basically talking out of the corner of his mouth the whole time not making any eye contact while he's trying to lie to um this Oiron about uh one of Usui's wives who he's pretending is his older sister and that's why he's looking for her because she's like why are you asking me about this person which is a you know fair question it's like you just started working here you have no idea who this person is why do you care what happened to them or want to know about why they left or whatever and then he had to come it's a up great with skill something. to have for an espionage based mission that's for sure can, can't be a spy if you can't even lie like yeah. it was really funny to me because it reminds me of both my husband and my oldest son who just can't lie like convincingly at all not that they well the 12 year old has tried at various points because he's 12 <laughs> but it's just like yeah okay please just go do the thing like that's that's what i feel about my students whenever they try to lie to me about their homework i'm like guys come on you're not even good at this like at least yeah. put some panache on it like some yeah. spice on it don't just be like oh i had i had a thing all night and my parents car broke down so i couldn't go home and nah, just come on give me something better than that <laughs> <laughs> you need a, like a setting this needs like there needs to be like a character arc in this story yeah. you know not too many details because then it'll seem like you're trying too hard but you yeah need a little bit of concrete you know just to make it feel like a real thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's an art to yeah. it yeah so i'd say like for this episode though mostly i mean it did feel like set up but it was still entertaining to watch which yep. is like if they're gonna do a setup episode then you know at least make it funny I feel like they nailed it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get, I feel like it'll probably be a while before we get any really good, like demon action going on. But I know we got the, the at the very end, we got like the tease of the, of, of the demon that captured um, one of uh, Usui's wives. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it'll, at least another episode, I would imagine, uh, before yeah. things start getting crazy. But who knows? The show can move fast. So Yeah, it could. Yeah, I'm assuming there's going to be at least three demons. One that's somehow indisposed each each one of the ninja wives. But also, Sui is very attractive without his weird stuff all over him. So that was, you know, nice bonus. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. you know, I, I can see how he got three wives. You know? Yeah. I can I yeah. buy it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that brings us to our next show, which is let's see if we can talk about what happened in Ranking of Kings in a uh, normal amount of time. Uh, this episode, I feel like, really highlighted um, healing because we still don't know what's going on with Boji and uh, Kage. They weren't in this episode at all, but that's okay because we still got like a lot, a lot of meat to talk about for Ranking of Kings. Oh, um, so good. So, so good. So I feel good. like I'm like repeating myself every single week. Like I got to the review, you know, writing my review uh, for this episode. And it's like, there's so much good animation. But I say that every week. I don't even know how to talk about it anymore. Like, just watch the goddamn show, please. Like, so you understand why I have such strong feelings about it. Um, so last week we found out, you know, Dida, both Dida, told healing that like that he's both and she fainted and we got to meet um her bodyguard in this episode who we i think we had only seen in like kind of around a couple of times but i don't even know that he's ever had a speaking part the same i don't think so i didn't re i didn't recognize who he was until you know the show introduced him in this episode yeah um i'm gonna pronounce his name dorsh it could be dorsche or something else but um for now it's dorsh and uh He's super cool. Um, he used to have uh, Appius's position, but the king moved him to be Healing's bodyguard because he was uh, too soft, which I think was actually like not a slight against him so much as like he needed someone who had some emotional intelligence to be his wife's bodyguard. And so through that, we get like an extended flashback of Healing's you know continued attempts to win over Boji. Um, prior with to with cake she chased him all around the courtyard with cake um you see her like learn sign language um and then 
eventually like win him over and even get Dorsch to come in. And it really just like, I was already feeling endearment towards her in general um, after the last time we kind of saw stuff happen. But this episode like really got me to root for her like in her corner. Like she's really like pulling a lot of weight now, not only with that flashback, but she's, you know, she confronts Bose uh, pretty aggressively in this episode about like his lack of pride and um, how he shamed himself as a father for doing this to Dida. And um, she said, like, you are, like, you already died. You, you had yeah. your shot. Like, get out of yeah. my son's body. You weirdo. Yeah, she's like, you died. Give me Dida back. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's all really fucked up. Someone needs to tell him. Someone should say it. So um, we got that. And she even went as far as, like, she can hear Dida wandering around in Bose's or in his own consciousness, really. Um, his cries for help and everything, which uh, got me right in the right in the heart area. And I'll is... never forgive this show for making me love Dida and want to protect him. And it's this poor boy crying out for his mom, like, okay, fine, show. I'll love yeah. every character that you throw at me, except for Domas, because he's irredeemable and the worst. But everyone else. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, we get we get a lot of like interspersed scenes with inside like Dida's having this like horrible like nightmare scenario he's not just wandering around in darkness but like he starts like having a breakdown he starts like seeing things like some evangelion style craziness like this he's like, in like a sensory deprivation void like yeah. yeah yeah it's really intense and um yeah just like it was horrifying, but the, the animation during this point, like, really comes out to shine. Like, it's just, like, very fluid, um, kind of, like, trippy, like, mental trippy kind of stuff going on. Um, the team is just, like, pulling it out week after week after week for, for this show. Um, so we have, like, that going on, you know, healings, confrontations. Like, she almost, she pulls a blade to, like, stab Bose Dida because she thinks that'll, like, let him out, but uh, Dorsch actually has to stop her because eh, Dida might die too if you stab him. Um, also, Bose is technically, I mean, he still is also kind of treating Bose like the king. He's like, like you're the one that ordered me to protect her, and now you're, yeah. now you're making me like tr decide whether I side with you or whether I protect Hitling from the the hounds that you al allowed to go after her, like. What are you yeah. doing? Which are being manipulated too, by the way. Like we actually get a little bit where it's shown that like the mirror. Cute, the cute little doggos. Yeah. Like the mirror has this ability to kind of like go back and forth between areas. And one of them has these uh, like monsters in it, but they, they're, I don't even know if you'd say they were monsters originally. They're just weird beasts, you know, living their life by a waterfall, raising their puppies, all that kind of stuff. And she mind zaps them. And that's when their eyes turn red like this. And then, uses them in an attempt to assassinate healing. Um, they fail, thankfully, but not before Dorsch gets like bit and scratched and has like this really big like showdown to keep them from going into a healing's bedroom, um, which was also like another just really stellar piece of animation. And just episode. like a great fight scene, like just had, you know, with like, yeah, just have a cool fight scene in the middle of this interesting drama and comedy. And it's, it's all good. We'll just, we'll, we'll check all the boxes. There's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'm most interested in, and I'd like to get your thoughts on is like, what do you think Bose's end game is for this? Because I can't quite figure out uh, who he's playing versus like, like what it, what what his aims are it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like he's like a tyrannical wanted to rule the kingdom longer sort of situation but i can't quite figure out like what his actual feelings are for his kids for healing and for the Moranjo, the yeah. the mirror lady i know that that's been the most fascinating thing and again the show makes it look so easy that it's almost infuriating like mm -hmm. how how deftly it is every single week paying off previous setup to like little character moments, like with, with healing, like showing mm -hmm. her, uh, you know, learning the sign language and really putting in the effort to connect with Boji um, mm -hmm. or continuing these, these interesting threads, like with, with Bose and like how Miranjo can like inhabit that creepy wooden doll. Yes. Yeah. Was such a cool and weird scene. 
and they dance like, together while she's uh in it right and he yeah. invites her to dance i think he does yeah and so like there's like this kind of romantic connection between the two mm -hmm. um now between me being sick and between time passing and me having an old man brain i can't remember did we ever get the name of boji's mother I can't recall. I feel like it might have been not this episode, but it may have been mentioned in the previous when episode. They met? Yeah, but I'm okay. not a hundred percent on that. Because I just the, the 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 thought that came to me when he was dancing with the with the mannequin and there was like this this intimate tender moment and, and then she became like so overwhelmed with like self-consciousness and, and how ugly she felt and you know, she broke down like crying in the mirror. The the, mm -hmm. the thought that flashed through my mind is, wait a minute, is Boji's mom in the mirror? Is this whole thing that like somehow or another, like maybe she died or was dying and to save her life, some spell or something happened and they put her in the mirror and maybe that like twisted her personality or or, or something. And so like this whole thing is an attempt to like, it's like him trying to bring his family back, right? It's like him trying yeah. to have his wife. And I don't know. Like it's it's so like you said, it's clear that he's motivated by something other than raw power, or at least that's yeah. not his only motivation. I don't think. Yeah, um, I don't think it is either. Um, I don't, I don't know. know about like as far as her relation possibly to to Boji's mom. I mean, that would be like what we know of Boji's mom's personality. Yeah, there would have to be an explanation for a, a huge personality shift if that was her in, in some way, because the version of his mom that we know up to this point is like, you know, a very sweet woman who, yeah. who cared for her son. And you have to remember like the mirror helped orchestrate Dida having Boji killed. So she would have to like, it would have, to, yeah, she'd have to be completely different. I think I for, for that to happen. The um, only reason that even flashed in my mind was that before Bose met Boji's mother. It seemed like power was like his only motivation, the only thing he cared about. And so my thought process was it doesn't seem like he had any kind of romantic interest or, or it didn't seem like there was anything that would have bound him to the world other than his own pursuit of power before he met Boji's mother. And That's then true. when, when Boji was born, it, it seemed to kind of put a, a fine point on how he was really feeling some kind of love or, or, some kind of connection to his family for the first time. That's true. And it seems like very shortly after Boji's mother died, he met Hilling and had Dinah. And so I guess my thinking was, I don't know if, if it is a, like a love thing and it seems like that's what they were going for. I don't know if it's like, is this someone that he knew before Boji? He would have to know her before, because I was thinking while you were talking also that, um, she appeared to him and helped him make the deal with the demon before he ever met Boji's mom. Oh, okay. Oh, that's true. Okay. Then never mind. Yeah. That theory and then there was also the entity that, you know, before she was in the mirror that um trained APS or did whatever, you know, happened to APS down there. Um with oh, the that's monsters right. and everything too. I got the so I, I across them. Yeah, so I think she's a, a unique entity. Um, but she does go back farther than Boji's mom. And we don't know how Bose met her, like as far as how that goes. Because our first introduction to Bose's backstory, she was already there. So there's that, which is which is interesting. So we don't know how he sought her out or how they met. Um, like, I kind of feel like there's some mutual manipulation going on. It may even have been like that he courted her in a way initially to get that to get that power and then could never get rid of her afterwards. Um which would kind of lean into the like the Rumpelstiltskin kind yeah. of fairy tale story, like making a deal with an entity that comes back later and demands its um, demands its payment. Yeah, 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 sort of thing. And, and I mean, the demon's kind of similar in that way too. So, um, yeah. So I don't know what her thing is, but she does seem like genuinely infatuated with him. I think like she want the whole reason that she wanted healing to die is probably somehow based in that infatuation, but it also means he promised her he would do it at some point because when she brings up in the previous episode about assassinating queen healing, like both responds with, Oh, that old promise. 
It's like, you promised this lady you were going to kill your wife. Like what? Like why? Um, yeah. It's, so, there's, yeah so there's, so, there's, there's a lot, lot to unpack like, there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when they danced, it felt like it was like he was genuine about wanting when he said he wanted to make her dreams a reality and all those sorts of things, but he could just be manipulating her. I don't, True. I don't know, but it felt genuine at the time. There's other stuff he's doing that definitely does seem like he's manipulating, like, like secretly telling Domas and Hokuro to go into the basement and clear the monsters out of there, which yeah. I think might be related to how Moranjo's um, getting the monsters in the first place. Um, he seems happy that like Boji's alive and thriving um, he does seem like distraught, distraught or something about what's going on with the Dida situation. There's a point where like healing yells at him and like, I forget, it's either when she calls him out about his pride or, um, being a bad father or whatever. And you see him like clench his fist, yeah. like on the throne. Like, he says fall. like, I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> like he does I, say something like that at one point uh, too. And it's like, so like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just figuring it out, which I mean, does he have like a plan or does he just have like a goal that he's yeah, just sort of know. improvising his way to? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to learn more. I know every episode I'm like, also what's Boji's weapon? I still want to know. I've been waiting for over two weeks now to find out it's a gun what blade. his, yeah, it's a gun blade. Yeah. Someone in the forums um, suggested that it might be a whip and that seems like actually okay. the best suggestion so far, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's light. You don't have to be incredibly strong to wield it. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of force. You know, you get a lot of bang for your buck. You know, you can get a lot of yeah. force out of a you know a relatively small and lightweight object. Yeah, that makes sense for Boji. Yeah, I mean, I saw Michelle Pfeiffer use it in one of those outtakes from Batman Returns. Um, like where I think she whips like the heads off a bunch of mannequins or something. Yeah. Like she really did that. She just like did that. It's badass. It is badass. Michelle Pfeiffer, she's a queen. Yeah. Okay. Boji is a king, or will Boji is a king, and I hope he returns next episode. Um, this is one of the few shows where, like, I um look up the next episode preview because they don't release it the day of the episode. They don't release that little like one minute preview for the upcoming episode until either I think Tuesday night or like Wednesday, and I, I actually like go to the Japanese YouTube channel and and watch it because I, I just need to know like what I might see next episode. Yeah. My biggest fear is like, it's it, this show is honestly so good. Like unbelievably good. That mm -hmm. I'm starting to get anxious every week because every week I'm like, is, is this the week where they drop the ball? Like, is oh, this the yeah. week where they break the streak? Because as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's been an episode that's been less than genuinely great. And yeah. um, a lot of episodes have been flat out incredible. Yeah, and the idea this is a two core series, right? Yeah, so they're gonna keep this up for six months. Like, I just if they do it, it it's I think it's gonna go down as an all timer. Yeah, um, yeah, which but is I just, just fun to watch happen, right? Like, to I hope watch everyone at Wit is doing okay. Yeah. Like, oh God, me too. Me too. Like, like stay I, hydrated. I think we're, yeah, please stay hydrated. Please rest, and um, you know, I'm. I like to think that because the cuts are coming out so consistently and they look so great that this was a project they started a while ago um we were talking earlier before the show like my hope is that this is what they were doing during that entire time that they would have been working on attack on titan so i was gonna say I mean, the, since attack on titan concluded we've gotten the first season of vinland saga they did okay um then we got they did vivi right F florida yes the, yeah yeah and that's it right yeah because, yeah, they didn't do the first part of the final season. That's when it switched to MAPPA. So they were doing... Yeah. And um, they're not doing second season in Vinland either. So oh, they aren't? I don't think Who's so. Who's doing Vinland? I don't know. I just, I, I want to say that when they announced it, I, I don't I don't think it's them. Like, I could be wrong, but I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure it's a new studio. Maybe it's also oh, MAPPA. Okay. That would make sense. That would, that would yeah, yeah. They've got a... MAPPA's pretty big as far as, like, their staff goes at this point. So yeah. they've got, like, three different teams. But they're also doing Chainsaw Man, so... Who knows what they're all up to? I just got all excited right. for change something. <laughs> uh, all yeah. right. Well, I think that's uh, it for the show this week. Um, thank you again, James, for tuning in. I want to remind everybody that you know we're always here on Mondays at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. 
Um, I hope everyone has a happy holiday and stay safe. And yeah. we'll see you next week. See you then. Bye. Peace.